Hello and welcome back to the show. This is Ted, your host speaking with more actionable entrepreneurship advice. Now on today's episode, we have Chris Ward, who is the founder of Windy Hour, Windy Day. She's a leading authority on time management and team building, and she has even been interviewed by one of the original sharks from Shark Tank, Mr. Kevin Harrington himself. After the loss of her husband, Chris returned full-time to her work as a marketing strategist as she was thrilled to see that her business had not only survived during her absence, but it was thriving. Today, she helps entrepreneurs create their winning teams so they too can focus more of their energies on growing their business. In this episode, Chris shares how we can avoid being a sufferpreneur and how it does not necessarily need to be expensive to start growing a team. So guys, you know the drill. All tools, resources, show notes and episodes are available on my website at tedteo.com. That's T-E-D-T-E-O.com. Now, if you don't want to miss a single episode, then don't forget to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast directory. Now, if you want to support the show, then the best way you can do this is to share the show with a friend and leave a review. Now, as a way to say thank you and to show my appreciation to you guys, if you actually do subscribe and leave a review on Apple iTunes by the end of September, then you stand a chance to win $50 worth of gift vouchers from Amazon. Now, let's dive right in. Hi, Chris. Thanks for joining us today. It's so good to have you here. Oh, Ted, I'm excited to be here. I'm pumped. Chris, let's start with a simple icebreaker. Who is Chris Ward when she is not working? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> That's a pretty broad question. Um, I guess I would kind of say what I learned a long time ago is you were the same person before five as you are after five. So I'm just as high energy. I'm enthusiastic about anything I do. I believe that you should treat yourself like as if you are a business athlete. So I'm really into vitality, taking care of myself, fitness, so that I can perform the best during the day. So Chris, you're a leading authority in time management and team building, and you've even been interviewed by one of the original Shark Tanks, Mr. Kevin Harrington himself. Could you share with us your journey and how you ended up starting your company, Windy Hour, Windy Day? So I was, I've been in business over 12 years and I started out and still am a marketing strategist. And what happened when I first started is I was working insane hours. Like, you know, oh my gosh, I went, I would say a good two years without any sleep. And all reports indicated that I wasn't as charming as I thought I was when you start going months and years without sleep. So I started to look at that and think, okay, you know, I had this amazing support system. Everyone was cheering me on with this new business. And I was just, you know, run down, burnt out and not particularly warm. So I started to look at, you know, how can I make something different? And, And really to move the story along, I would tell you that I went from like 16 hours a day down to six, but it did not happen overnight, but it was hugely important. I started to examine, you know, everything just feverishly. How are these successful people doing it? So I made some immediate changes that we'll unpack and talk about later, but it was really awesome that I did that because it was a couple of years after that, that my husband had been diagnosed with colon cancer and I was pulled away from the business for about two years. And when I returned after his passing, my existing clients had no idea of my absence. They did. They were shocked. It, we just did not feel it was good for business. I didn't want that kind of attention. I, you know, I just really needed to zone in and focus on what I was doing. So when I returned, it was a real shock to my clients and the local business community, what had happened to my husband. And so these people started to gently ask me like, you know, if I could help them with their businesses, like how did I manage that? They were missing soccer games, working evenings and weekends. And, and so of course, with a respect for the fragility of life and that I believe a business should support your life instead of consuming it. I thought, okay, I'll start to work with these people under the capacity of helping them manage and run their business. 
And that just kind of grew and, and, and more people wanted help. And then I thought, well, how do I reach more people? Cause I just think business should be fun and you, you shouldn't be suffering. That's not why you started this journey. So then I thought, okay, let's write a book and see if I could reach more, a, a wider audience. And it really just snowballed from there. And so now anything you see me do online is really about creating a movement again, where your business supports your life instead of consuming it. And that's how it all evolved. Chris, it sounded like a very organic journey where you went from being a market strategist to being a person who's able to help her clients manage their business. What was the process of the transition? Like you shared that this happened during your two years away. Could you share a little bit more about this? Oh my heavens. Well, I don't know if there were secrets. There was a lot of learning curves and stumbling and suffering and just figuring out like, I think for me and for most of my clients, the, the really big problem was people think, oh, it's great if you're organized and stuff. And I'm an organized individual, but sometimes what happens with that is then you just try to reorganize and, and organize more. And it gives you the false sense of that you could do something with that. But really, you're not changing the infrastructure. You're just, it's sort of like if you have a, a screw in the wall and you've got a, a screwdriver, you're just tightening and tightening it. You eventually strip the screw. It's not, you're not changing the tactic there, right? So I think for me, you know, I think the turning point, the real game changer and what this means for you is, you know, you really truly can have a business that supports your life instead of consuming it. It was me starting a team. When I got my first hire, that's when, that's when the game began. That's when things started to change for me. I was like, oh my gosh, this idea of working late every night and getting up earlier and earlier it w I was working so against myself and I had no idea. I thought it was saving money. But in fact, when we talk about the three D's, uh, I was costing myself a lot of money because we always talk about in my company, the three D's are damaging overhead, delayed income, diminished opportunity. And let's say Ted, for simplicity purposes, you had a package you could sell for a hundred bucks. And when you are working at five, six, seven, eight o'clock at night, and you're not getting those packages sold, that means you're billing your company a hundred bucks an hour. And so that gets really super expensive. And we all think we're saving ourselves money, but in fact, we're billing our company these insane amounts that you'd never pay for. And then skipping yep. along to- It's opportunity cost. Yeah. And then the other two, delayed income, what does it cost you when you have a client that you've got in June, but you could have gotten January? Plus if they gave you one referral and then the most painful one is diminished, dim, uh, diminished opportunity. When somebody says to you, Oh my gosh, I wish I'd known you sooner because we just hired somebody. And then you have to think about the cost of the lifetime value of that client. So the three D's when you don't have a team and you're a sufferpreneur, really expensive. So guys, as Chris has shared, don't be a sufferpreneur. If you can, try to hire the right people and build your team and business along the way. You can't do everything on your own. Now, if your business is growing and you're not hiring the right people to grow the business with you, if you're trying to do everything on your own, then your business is going to suffer because you're wasting the opportunities that could have come by in the first place. So Chris, could you share with us how you built your own team over the years? Well, I'll tell you, it's really interesting. You know, the first, when I was still going out to appointments and stuff, I went virtual long before anybody else because I just realized even if somebody was down the street 10 minutes away, I could just hop on one Skype call and go to the next. But many years ago, when I was still going out to physical appointments, I would be sitting in, you know, a prospect's office and I'm writing notes and getting all this information about a package they want. And then I would leave and I would promise hand to God that when I got back to the office, I would put the notes right in their file right away. Now that never happened. And 
if I was lucky, I got the notes in like Friday afternoon. If I wasn't, it was like the next Friday. And sometimes they would call and they want to ask questions of the package or something. And then, you know what? I would be scrambling or trying to read my notes that were meant for 20 minutes, not for two weeks. And my big fear was what if yeah. I misquoted them, underpriced myself, or looked like I was trying to swindle them when in fact I just wasn't prepared, right? And so I thought, this can't yeah. be. This cannot be. So what I did was I hired a transcriptionist and I would leave the meeting, sit in my car, talk into my phone for 30 seconds mm -hmm. and she, I would just talk and she would get these notes within hours, certainly 24 hours into my computer. Mm. Now here's the thing. I don't get it, but she loved doing this. She had like 10 clients. It's all she did. So she was really <laughs> fast and you don't even need these services anymore because now there's there's products or, or uh, uh, apps and stuff like that for this. But at the time, yeah, yeah. this Some was cutting edge. Some versions of it. Yeah, at the time, this was cutting edge. So what happened was the weeks I didn't need her, that's great, I didn't pay. And the weeks I needed her for a lot, she was like 12 bucks because she was so fast. So I got all Friday afternoon back. I didn't have stress. I didn't misquote a client for like 12 bucks. And so what this means for you is people think that having a team is expensive, but the world is a magical place right now. And it is crazy affordable to build out what we call a win team. What is next team? So you can get to what is next. Guys, as Chris has just shared, we live in a magical time in the world right now. You can easily find virtual assistants who can help you with your various tasks and outsourcing this may not even be that expensive as compared to hiring someone full-time. You can pay them by the hour and you can look for various assistants who are specialized in different tasks. When you start building a team like this, you'll be able to free up more time for yourself to do what you do best and grow your business. Now back to you, Chris. What advice would you have for an entrepreneur who's starting to build out their team? What should they look out for if they want to build that winning team? Yeah, that's a great question, Ted. It's probably the most common question we get at our website, www.winthehourwintheday.com. And what I tell people is sometimes it's not even what you're looking for. It's what you're not looking for. There is this philosophy where you're like, oh, I'm going to get this person and I've got this mess and they're going to help me clean it up like a 1950s secretary. Like I'm the doctor and they're like my work wife and stuff. That doesn't work. Adding people to chaos just creates more chaos, right? And I would also argue, Ted, that most of the corporate world throughout the world is a very parentified system and it's upside down. So you hire somebody, then you supervise the work they do and you're checking on them, which means you have more work to do. And you're checking on them like a parent or a child or a teacher and a student. And it's time consuming. That's another thing. People are like, I don't have time for this. It's quicker to do it myself. So when you set up a win team, a what is next team, really effectively, it's really about strategy and leaning into what we call our super toolkits and making everything crazy efficient. It's really about just not getting this one person that you think, now, I want to tell you, it's not about getting this one person you think is going to solve all your problems. So you can't have a VA who does some of your social media, some of your graphics and email management, all this other stuff that's going in too many different directions. However, be really clear though. We get a lot done. I have a book. We have a podcast, When They Are, When The Day podcast, where we just talk about general, anything to get you to your next win. It could be sales, social media, whatever. We've got a lot going. We've got, you know, private coaching, semi-private coaching. We've got this winner's circle. But I have a team of three, and that manages all that. So I'm not talking about building a big team, but I'm talking about building an effective team and understanding really strategically what the roles will look like. So when we hire, we have to actually be very specific with who we want to bring in and what their clear deliverables are. 
But when we hire employees, it's also important to have the right systems in place to manage them. So what tips do you have for entrepreneurs on this? What are the systems that they have to think about on implementing and how do they go about setting it up? Yeah, that's an excellent question. So we rely heavily on what we call super toolkits. So they're kind of like the distant cousin of what people understand to be standard operating procedures, SOPs. But SOPs are written, you know, really to cover liability. They're not written by the end user and they're static. They're not, they're not evolving. So our super toolkits are very unique and we created them. And what happens is they allow you then to be in what we call the win formula, 60-40 win formula. I believe that most entrepreneurs are in the web of admin around 80-90% of the time. You should be in creation mode 60% of the time and admin mode 40% of the time. Because being an entrepreneur is all about getting ideas to execution. Whatever that is for you, if it's your first book or your second book or starting a podcast or doing PR or starting a group coaching, whatever it is, it's about getting that idea to execution. Otherwise, you are just a sufferpreneur, but you're also self-employed. So being an entrepreneur is about getting ideas to execution. And to do that, you need to be in the creation mode much more than you are. So those super toolkits are really like the backbone to everything that we do. So Chris, what kind of mistakes do entrepreneurs tend to make when they're building their teams? Yeah. So it is, again, just throwing work at them without strategy and hoping they keep up. And so many entrepreneurs, again, it's not their fault. You've all been trained in the employee mindset. Like that's where the predominant part of your work experience comes from. So you're following a formula that has been around for generations and it's extremely limiting. So what I would tell you is understanding that the, you know, hiring and the onboarding and the training is so important and the culture you're creating is so important. We tend to think cultures are created like at bigger companies when you have larger groups of people, right? But in fact, when you have two or three or four employees, then you really need to be mindful of the culture you're creating because it's a very intimate group. So I think the biggest mistakes that people make are not understanding the significance of the onboarding process and, and the infancy stage of when you're working with someone and how to set that up effectively. What about team retention. So you just shared about the importance of onboarding and bringing them into the team. But how do you make sure that they stay for the long run? So it's not just enough about to hire, but you have to keep them engaged and valued and to maybe also give them a sense that they are progressing professionally. So how do you manage this and can you share with us? Yeah, that's really not hard because what happens is we're we're we operate differently than most of them have ever worked for someone like that. So loyalty is really easy when you give people a situation where they're in creation mode more of the time, uh, when their ideas are valued, when we, you're encouraging them to think and contribute. I mean, because a big part of this is when I talked earlier about, you know, the 60-40 win formula that you should be in creation mode 60% of the time, so too should your team. Because all these ideas and ambitions you have, your team has to be able to support. And the only way they can support that is if they have room in their calendar. So for example, like my podcast, we were, uh, you know, getting thrilled that we had like 200 five-star reviews and we're like, okay, so we're getting close to that. We'll put a banner up on Facebook. That's what you do. Here we go. And then someone on my team came to me and she said, Chris, I found this other website and there's all these other reviews out there that we don't know about. You have over 900 reviews. 
Now, just so you know, I'm a flawed human being, Ted. I was like, oh, we're so close to a thousand. <laughs> There's <laughs> always the next like goal, yeah. yeah, now I'm like, I need a thousand. But what happened was there was this new, there, there were places other, like we didn't know Stitcher left reviews and all this other stuff, right? So we there was this website, new platform that collected all the reviews and put them in one place. Now, this wasn't just me. When I brought this to the podcast community and different Facebook groups, I looked like the hero. I gave them the link. They're like, Chris, you're the best. But this was because she had time in her calendar to be in creation mode, right? So what happens was she got to look like the hero. She's always, you know, 60% in creation mode. So it's very thrilling and stimulating for her to be contributing and expressing her ideas. And so this is not a job she wants to leave. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So retention is really not an issue for me or any of my clients. So it's about empowering your employees and also giving them the ability to feel just like you, an entrepreneur, where they actually are creating something rather than just going through the doldrums of the same job over and over again, which is what most of us feel when we're not happy with our current employment situation. Now, Chris, you've shared that you previously had issues with time management and now you've actually built a whole business around helping others managing their time. So can you explain to us what does windy hour, windy day mean? Yeah, so I think the big thing with time management, the problem I had was I got a lot done in a day, a lot. And I was a go-to person for a lot of people. So I didn't resonate with having any time management issues because I'm like, excuse me, I get more done than anybody I know. But what my tactic was, was to get up in the morning and run as fast as I can trying to race time. And if you read my book, when the hour, when the day, there's a couple of horrifying stories in there where I literally nearly lost my life, like almost electrocuted myself quite seriously because I was in a rush. Um, there's silly things like that. But what I would say to you is the biggest mistake I think people make is your calendar is your time bank account. And so many people put outside appointments on their calendar, but they don't put their work on the calendar. They don't allot for the stuff they have to do every day, like including reading emails, right? So they, what happens, so many people will say, hmm, they enter the day and they think they might think they have eight hours, but in fact, maybe they only have four because of all the stuff they have to do day to day. Because people say to me, yeah. oh, Chris, I remember that. I don't have to put it on my calendar, but it's allotting time. That's the same as if you say to me, oh, Chris, my car payment comes every month, but I know that, so I don't count it. Well, the money is gone. So the money's gone for the car payment. You know it comes out every month. Same thing with your calendar. There's stuff you do every day. Great. You know you have to do it, but you have to count that because that time is gone. And so if you don't do that, you can't, you know, can't improve what you don't measure. And that's where things, when I really started using my calendar effectively and strategically, I was like, well, no wonder I was again. No wonder I was tired. You can't do all this in a day. When you see it laid out, that it's a game changer. Yeah. So this is the whole idea of allocating time to everything you do, not just the tasks that you want to do. And that's the problem with a simple to-do list that does not actually factor in the time that you take for the task that you're going to do for the whole day itself, right? Yes. So now you've you've given me one of my trigger words, which I don't believe in to-do lists. Because what happens is to-do lists, studies show, are really great if you're looking to stress yourself out, yeah. uh, all behind in your work. So they have a purpose if that's your goal. But what happens is to-do lists do not have a sequ sequential order. They, they don't give you any measurements of time or priority. Um, and so you tend to chop through a few things to make you feel good right? But you have no idea when you're off the track. So you have this to-do list and one thing might, might take 20 minutes, next thing might take two hours so that you can't really plan that. So what I would say, Ted, is think about it like this. 
Let's say you were going from a road trip to, I don't know, from New York to California, you're going to go from a car ride. If you had a GPS and a plan, it would tell you how many miles you could figure out how much gas you had, what time you leave, when you like, when you'd arrive, any time you stopped, it would adjust everything. You'd have a blueprint. You would have a plan, right? If you had a to-do list for that trip, you'd have bring money for snacks, warm clothes. None of it would determine the outcome of the trip or how efficient the trip would be. So that's a difference between what I call a GPS plan and a to-do list. So to-do lists, uh, and there's, and I'm not talking about now putting every single little thing on your calendar. I work in one hour increments. That's with when the hour, when the day, and it's a little bit hard to unpack all of this in this interview, but I would tell you to-do list is the last thing that should be running your business. So guys, don't run your business on a simple to-do list. What you should do instead is to allocate time blocks to the tasks that you want to do. And this way you can actually know how much time you're going to allocate and how much time you have left to achieve each individual goal. And this way you're going to be able to better plan the day itself. Now, Chris, there's so many tools and softwares out there that claim to help you to be productive. But what are your views on this? Yeah. So, you know, let's go back to like a carpenter. Like you could give me a hammer. It doesn't mean I can build a cabinet right? But you could give a good carpenter a better hammer. Sure. So I think in this day and age with tech, this is a big misconception where people think, oh, and I bought into it many years ago myself. Like, oh, you buy this and never mind that it's expensive, but it takes you two or three months to learn it. But once you learn it, oh, it's going to change your life. And of course, three months later, it doesn't. And you spend all that time trying to learn it. I did it. I did it. I know it. Right. And it was painful. What I would say to you is, for myself, for my clients, for really the wealthiest people in the world, any tool that you're going to use, most of them are free or next to free. They're so like the Google calendar is, is crazy free. Like, so most of the stuff is really free, basic stuff. And, and also it's something that you can learn to use and implement. Like I tell my clients, if you need to take more than 15 minutes to figure this out, then it's not the right tool for you. Right. Cause then it's a distraction and you're going in the wrong direction. So it's great to have a, a, a skill set or a talent and you can have a tool like the carpenter. Maybe he's got a power drill instead of a drill, but whether it's a drill or a power drill does not make you a better carpenter. You have to have that skill set. So don't be misled by shiny object syndrome in this world we live in where you think, oh, I've got all these options and this will be a game changer. It's just busy work. Mm. So Chris, now let's talk a little bit about your own podcast. What is it about and what are you trying to achieve with it? Yeah, I just like having an opportunity to meet like-minded entrepreneurs and it really is just to get you to your next win now. Um, you know, I'm not preaching about what I'm talking about here all day long. It could be anything from sales to social media, anything, right? What I get a lot of praise on is that people listen to the show and they can immediately implement something um, that they've listened to on the show. I'm all about tangible and quick takeaways. My whole philosophy is, you know, no fluff, big results for everything that I do. So for the show, it's the same thing. Just join us when the hour, win the day, and it's a wide variety of topics, but stuff that you can implement right away. Now, Chris, please share with us, how has your background as a marketing specialist shaped the way that you think and react as a business owner? Well, I think probably what people tell me my sweet spot is in marketing is marketing messaging. And I think being clear on your message. So I, I help entrepreneurs stop working so hard. And that's a simple sentence, but it took me a long time to get there and figure out like, oh, you want to tell people all these things that you do, but simplifying your message 
is the biggest mistake that most entrepreneurs are still struggling with. They want 15 minutes or 30 minutes to explain to someone all the stuff they do. And, and, and that's just really hard to repeat. And it's hard for them to remember and pass on to other people that might be good clients for you. So I think, you know, uh, the big thing about marketing, there's a lot of people out there doing all sorts of marketing, but just for me, it was being clarity of message really moved me forward, being really clear on who I help, how I help them, what's the pain I solve, pain problem I solve, and, uh, you know, who I want to work with. Just being super clear on that really allowed me to work with amazing people and get big results. Now, Chris, if the listeners only remember one thing from today's conversation, what would you like it to be? Yeah, it's a game changer if you have a team and you want to have what I call a win team, a what is next team, and that ideas to execution is what being an entrepreneur is about. It's not about paperwork or admin work. So getting your ideas to execution is what the game is about. Chris, how can our listeners get in touch with you if they need your help? Yeah, just reach out to me on any of the socials and tell me that you heard me on this fantastic podcast, a friend of Ted's, a friend of mine. Um, we do have a free gift. We've got this amazing thing. I mean, we, ju we just put it up there. It's a secret to getting 200 free hours of admin work. We have in you, um, North America and Europe throughout the world, uh, they now have a lot of high school co-op students. So we had, we've had 30, but this year alone we had four, six, something like that. So we got 800 free hours of, you know, somebody in grade 12 with a lot of tech skills. And so I created a manual, how to get 200 free hours of admin work. So you can have a co-op student in your organization. So that's a free gift to your audience. It's free gift from Chris, K-I-K-R-I-S. Oh my gosh. I don't know how to spell my own name. Free gift from Chris.com. And that would get you the secret to getting 200 hours of free admin work. Thank you, Chris, for your generosity. And thank you for being here today with me and sharing all your great advice. It was such a pleasure. Oh, I thank you for your thoughtful questions. And guys, that was the wonderful Chris Ward with all her actionable tips on how you can build your own winning team. Now, don't be a sufferpreneur. Don't take on the role of doing everything in a business. So learn to grow the team when it's time. It doesn't necessarily have to be expensive. You can always start by hiring some virtual assistants to help free up some of your time from administration work so you can focus on doing what you do best and that's growing your business. Now, all the show notes, tools, resources and episodes are on my website at tatio.com. So why not go and check it out? If you'd like to support the show, then the best way you can do this is to share the show with a friend or leave a review online. And don't forget about the Amazon gift voucher giveaway. If you actually do subscribe and leave a review on Apple iTunes by the end of September, then you stand a chance to win $50 worth of gift vouchers from Amazon. Now, thank you so much in advance. That's all for me today. I'll see you next time.